Welcome back to this week's episode of Tales of the Resistance. This is a podcast all about antimicrobial resistance and how we're addressing it and how it affects us in our daily lives. I'm Mara, one of the regular hosts, and I'm joined on the podcast, as always, by the lovely Amber, our graphics design guru. Hi, I'm Amber. I'm the multimedia graphics designer for the Schmidt Lab, and I work with the I Am Responsible team. And we're joined again, coming back by Noelle. Hello, my name is Noelle, and it's good to be back. Always good to have you. And this week on the podcast, we've got a new co-host who's been working with us this summer on social media and outreach. So you may have seen some of the work she's been doing. If you follow us online, say hello to Beth. Hi, everyone. We're glad to have you on the podcast today. And we're continuing with our series that is answering some questions from our mostly social media audience. So um, for those who aren't following us but would like to submit questions, you can find us on Twitter at I underscore am responsible or on Facebook or Instagram at I am responsible edu. Or um, you can email your questions at iamr.educate at gmail.com or find us online at our website iamrproject.com so with with that out of the way we're going to continue on with the lots of questions that we've been getting recognizing that we take a little while to discuss these and so we're going to continue on with the series for a little while yet but we do have some cool things coming down the pipe for you so if you feel like you know all this stuff already you can feel free to skip ahead and come back in a few weeks when we're we're getting back to some other types of programming and so with that we'll go ahead and get started all right let's get into the questions today what do we got up first our first question is, what are the signs that you have resistance rather than a really bad case of whatever illness? Yeah, that's a good question. I have a couple thoughts right off the bat, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious about what you guys thought. Did you have like a perception, uh, an understanding of antimicrobial resistance as um, being a different kind of experience of having the disease? What did you guys think? Well, I thought that there wasn't any way to be able to tell that you have a resistant bacteria or not. You can't know right away. So you'll only, um, you'll take the antibiotic until you've finished your prescription. And then if your illness hasn't cleared up, then you return to the doctor and they'll give you another antibiotic prescription. But then that might not work again because you still might be having having a resistant strand. So you keep having to go back. For an example, I know someone who had to take multiple antibiotics before their urinary tract infection was cured. Urinary tract infections are one of those hot buttons. It's an infection that has become harder and harder to cure as more bacteria became resistant to those antibiotics. How about you, Amber? Did you already have like a preconceived notion about um, how you could tell about having a resistant infection? Basically the same thing that Beth said, you know, just you're, you have an infection of some kind and you're taking an antibiotic, you're doing the entire, you're taking the entire prescription and then you're still getting sick and being assigned or prescribed heavier duty antibiotics. I think that's kind of a sign that you might have a resistance, but I'm not sure if that's correct or not. 
No, I think you both hit it on the nail on the head. And what I was, one of the reasons I wanted to hear from you guys first was because I think at least anecdotally from experience talking to other people that a lot of times people understand mostly because we call them super bugs. I think that may be the problem, but an understanding that these are not only a problem because it's hard to treat, but they're a problem because their experience is a different kind of experience, either because they're more virulent, they are passed more easily, or because the actual infection is more serious, like more deadly or um, longer, or I don't know, it has some totally new element to it, like boils or something, <laughs> you know? So I think, I think you guys both hit it nail on the head. There's not an obvious sign, except for the fact that we can't treat it, that it is not more serious or more virulent, at least not by definition. Antimicrobial resistance is about the ability to treat it, not about its experience. Now, I did want to throw in a caveat to that, and that is if folks remember back, we were talking about how um, bacteria can exchange genes. And I think I mentioned in that part that sometimes uh, different types of resistances are transferred together, especially if they're developing mutations to a lot of serious stuff all at once. And so then they might there may be in that transfer something that improves their virulence or changes the infection experience, but that's not necessary to an antimicrobial resistance. That was an interesting point you made, Mara, about superbugs and the name for it and how that can affect people's perception of it. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but yeah, definitely. When you hear the word superbug, you think of something that is really, you know, overpowerful. And you would think that you would have more serious illness because of that. But yeah, it doesn't really change your um, symptoms or you can't really know that you have resistant bacteria in you. I haven't actually, and this goes into some of the other questions, but I, in my personal experience, don't have a lot of people that I've met that know what antimicrobial resistance is. So I don't know if anyone's perception of it really is affected by whether it's called a superbug or antimicrobial resistance, just because I really haven't met people that know about antimicrobial resistance. That's a good point. Did you have anything uh, to add on that question, Noel, before we move on to the next one? What I had jotted down has been discussed. There ain't no difference between like symptoms of say you have a very bad illness and antimicrobial resistance caused illness, it really depends and tests have to be done. So that's how you would know. I don't think there are signs that definitely you have resistance unless the antibiotic doesn't work and then they have to test you on a panel test to make sure that you're not resistant to that or if it's caused by something else. But that's a good yeah. point about, well, and we'll get into that later, the importance of the lab technicians in this whole story. So how about we'll move on to question number two. Could viruses be killed by some antibiotics? Who wants to start on this? I guess the short answer is no. And that's all I'm going to say for now. <laughs> well, that was kind of my gut feeling, but I wasn't 100% sure because I'm still learning things. Yeah, so viruses... It sounds like viruses can't be affected. They're like another beast entirely. And I was thinking 
that this is one of the contributing factors to AMR. And this is something I know you've talked about on other podcasts, but how how doctors are prescribing antibiotics for viruses, just because it makes patients feel like they're coming away from their doctor's experience with some cure, potential cure, rather than just being told, oh, you have a cold, you have to go home and just write it out kind of thing. So the doctors are prescribing antibiotics when it's really a virus that can't cure it. And then that's causing more antibiotic resistance. Um, And the doctors are kind of are doing that because the patients will leave a review. If they come away from their doctor's experience with an antibiotic, then they'll leave a better review for the doctor and then the doctor will get more patients, et cetera. So there is that, um, that incentive. Yeah. I'm just a little bit like more on that topic. I think that that is true. And that is certainly their perception. I know I talked about this before, so I'm just making sure that I'm, I was clear on that. I think that's their perception, but I also think that doctors, um, don't necessarily know this is coming back to the importance of the lab in identifying what the illness is. And so there's some of the problem is just, like you said, the rush to give a a medicine or a potential medicine without knowing. And, and that's why we got to figure out what it is faster. But I do think doctors are not purposefully prescribing an antibiotic when they know that something is a virus just to give at least I would hope not. I mean, that's not my perception of things, but then I guess I don't know. I haven't studied that either. Well, that was just, I read some articles about it and that was their perception of it. So I can't say I have a personal experience with that, but it's interesting what you said about how doctors just might not be aware um, because I had come away from reading those articles and this might be what someone else comes away from those articles feeling is that doctors aren't practicing good stewardship of antibiotics. So it's good. It's always good to get more than one perception of it because that made me think if doctors had just been taking the time to um, inform their patients, take a few more minutes to inform their patients that this is a virus, kind of go over what AMR is, that would be helpful and beneficial. And that kind of goes into my thoughts of why aren't doctors doing this? Because it would be a great way, way to reach people like me who would, you know, didn't know what AMR was. And that reminded me of some podcasts you did kind of in the beginning of Tales of Resistance, you guys all shared when was the first time that you had heard of antimicrobial resistance. And like Mara, I remember you said that you couldn't even remember the first time you'd, you'd, you'd um, heard of it because you'd known about it for so long. But I was listening to that podcast and being like, what? Like I had never heard of it until I got involved with the I Am Responsible project. And I think I'm probably in the majority of people because the people I've talked to, like I previously said, don't, I mean, like some people have an idea of it, but it can be like a vague idea, but some people like me had never heard of it. So that was me thinking about the doctors. Why don't they just take a chance to inform people? People trust doctors. They listen to them, but it's interesting then that you said a different perspective that they just might not know. They might not be as informed either. So it's a good thing to keep in mind that, oh, I read an article. That doesn't necessarily mean that 
that's everyone's perception of what's happening. That kind of goes into how AMR is so interconnected with things. It's not just a healthcare problem. Yeah, uh, we all we all have a role. That's that's definitely true. And I just I just meant to sort of create the nuance, right? There is a problem with prescribing practices. There's a problem with patients demanding things because they don't understand it. Like you said, because maybe they don't know. And there's a problem with not fast enough diagnostics. It's all part of the problem. But yeah, long story short, like Noelle said at the very beginning, probably could have cut all this out and just said, no, (laughs) (laughs) antibiotics aren't really effective against viruses. And And, uh, I can just add into that. So the main reason why antibiotics are not effective on viruses is because of how the cell morphology is. And so thinking of it, antibiotics, as I think we discussed this in our last podcast, like there are different mechanisms in which antibiotics would attack the bacteria, right? And so part of it will be attacking the cell wall or even targeting some part of the, the bacteria that, say, the viruses do not have. For instance, the virus does not have a cell wall. And so because of this reason, they can't be attacked by antibiotics the same way that bacteria is attacked by antibiotics. And also, they do have a protecting protein coating, which kind of helps them to avoid being attacked by the antibiotics. And viruses are like predators. They can live anywhere and everywhere. So say once the host bacteria is attacked by an antibiotic, they can be able to shift the environment and move somewhere else. And so that way, like just thinking of the cell morphology of a virus, they cannot be attacked by antibiotics. The antibiotics are not targeted for viruses. However, they're targeted for bacteria. Mm, right. And there's a whole class of antimicrobials. So they are, they can be treated by antimicrobials because there is a class called antivirals, which just like antibiotics are highly targeted to bacteria, antivirals are highly targeted to the specific morphology of a virus. Like they attach to um Well, viruses have all of these little protuberances on the outside that help them attach to cells. And so one of the antiviral mechanisms is to attach to them and prevent basically attachment or prevent them from being able to put their DNA into a cell. So there's like the specific mechanisms that are unique to a virus that an antiviral will target versus the specific mechanisms that are unique to a bacteria than antibiotic. They're very different things. And so the, the medicines are, are no, in no way, um, they don't work together or on the same thing. So do not take anti- antibiotics for virus infection, because if you do that, you're not only not curing yourself, but you're also putting yourself onto some harmful side effect, for instance, you can develop antibiotic resistance. And that's what we're trying to preach against in this podcast. That's really interesting. I have a question for you, Noelle. When you were talking about how the antibiotic will kill all the bacteria, but not the virus. So if someone was suffering from, let's say they had both viruses and bacteria, Let's say someone had more than one illness. If the antibiotic killed all the bacteria, including the good bacteria, would that make them 
more vulnerable to becoming seriously ill with the viruses that are still in them? That's a good doctor question, but I'll try <laughs> to answer with the brief knowledge that I have. I know that when someone is affected by, say, pathogens, including viruses, there may be broad spectrum antibiotics that are prescribed to them or administered to help like fight the diseases. And that will then narrow down to what is actually affecting them. So then if it's a viral infection and then they give them some antiviral that may help cure that. And I'm talking about this from a personal experience. Uh, two years ago, I got infected by, by uh, something that got into my throat. And so they did a culture test in the lab and they found a very broad range of bacteria, nothing specific, and also some viruses in there. So they administered a broad spectrum antibiotic, which seemed to work right. First of all, they had administered some steroids, which just helped reduce the symptoms. And then it went on for over a month. And so they eventually administered antibiotics, broad spectrum antibiotics, which tend to work. However, I still had some infections, which was then narrowed down to be some viral infection. And for that, I was just given some antiviral medicine, which also worked well. And so like there may be multiple steps into getting someone to get better, but just to note that antibiotics are not for viral infections, but rather for bacterial infections. I don't know if that answered your question. No, yeah, that was good. I okay. didn't, because I wasn't even sure if you could have a bacterial infection and a virus um, infection at the same time. That's kind of where I am at my understanding yeah. of things. <laughs> well, and part yeah. of the, the story there is that um, there are these op things called opportunistic pathogens. So like if you've already got an illness with something, like say you had a bacterial infection and you're run down with that, um, your immune system is is like sort of fully engaged with dealing with that. There are other pathogens that can become a problem that are ordinarily not. They might be able to live with in your body all the time and just sort of coexist with you, but it's only when you're already stressed from something else that they start making an infection and an illness. And so that's a lot of times when you get these sort of like Noel's experience with these multi-layer infections is sometimes it's opportunistic pathogens. Sometimes it's something you picked up uh, at a hospital. Like if someone is in a hospital environment, they're more likely to pick up a lot of these secondary infections just because there's more of them in there. And so that, that can happen too. So it's always complicated. So I'm wondering, just to connect it back to um, antimicrobial resistance. So if they were prescribed the wrong prescription given antibiotics, but it was really say, uh, cold, which is a virus, could that then make them more vulnerable because antibiotic kills all of the bacteria, including the good bacteria inside of them? So if people were taking antibiotics when they really shouldn't be, could this then make them more vulnerable then if they had a virus uh, infection instead of a bacteria infection? I don't think it would make the, and, and this is, again, this is a question for a medical expert. Recommend you to talk to your doctor about this. Do not just listen to a bunch of people on a podcast. It's never a good, uh, never a good idea. 
But I, I do want to point out, um, so the viruses that are attacking our cells, they're not the same viruses that are going to be attacking a bacterial cell. And so they're not really affected by the bacterial population. At least that would be my understanding. So whether or not there are a lot of extra bacteria around may not be a big deal again, but they're not the same viruses. So they're not necessarily going to be impacting each other, but you may be making yourself more vulnerable to a bacterial infection. Yes. All right. So that brings us to the end of the questions we intended to answer in this podcast. We still have more to go, though. So um, we will be back again soon with more question and answers. And, And if you have other questions, you know, please reach out on the different social medias and we will get to them as we can and look forward to doing so. I really found today's podcast to be really informative. I learned a lot. So thank you. I uh, really enjoyed this first one. And I kind of exposed myself as pretty down low on the learning curve. But hopefully I'm not the only one. And some of our audience are still uh, learning along with me. And we will continue to grow in our knowledge as time goes on. 100%. Well, we are all there. You know, I think I'm maybe a couple years further on in the learning process, but only a couple years. I mean, there are people out there with with careers in this, with a whole lifetime spent. So we're all students. So thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we will talk again soon. Mm-hmm.